Welcome to the podcast of Church on the Rock in New Albany, Indiana. We believe the message you're about to hear will encourage you today. Got a good word for you this morning. By the way, if any of you were sensitive about my oat milk, almond milk comment, uh, by the way, I use oat milk in my coffee, so just to clarify, so don't get too sensitive, all you vegans out there. It's okay. I believe in it too, just a little bit, but let's give it up for Haas for doing a great job though today. Always great job on the drums, the pillar of the church, beautiful person inside and out, prayer warrior, just a beautiful person in every way possible. Thank you, Big Hoss. Uh, Matthew chapter 1, let's start here in verse 18. It says, Now the birth of Jesus Christ was as follows. After his mother Mary was betrothed to Joseph, before they came together, she was found with child of the Holy Spirit. Then Joseph, her husband, being a just man, not wanting to make a, her a public example, was minded to put her away secretly. But while he thought about these things, behold, an angel of the Lord, come on, we believe in angels around here, appeared to him in a dream saying, Joseph, son of David, do not be afraid to take Mary as your wife for which that which is conceived in her is of the Holy Spirit. And she shall bring forth a son and you shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Knows why? Because for he will save his people from their sins. So all this was done that it might be fulfilled, which was spoken by the Lord through the prophet saying, Behold, the virgin shall be with child and bear a son, and they shall call his name Emmanuel, which is translated God with us. Then Joseph, being aroused from sleep, did as the angel of the Lord commanded him and took his wife. So, in this passage here, you see that Joseph and Mary were about to have a baby. Now, Joseph did not know at first. He was wondering, who is Mary sleeping with? Because <laughs> he was like, well, now we haven't been together and we're about to get married and you're having a baby. So, so what's going on here? So an angel of the Lord came to Joseph and told Joseph, don't be worried about this. I know this has never happened before, but what's in your wife, the baby that's within her is of the Holy Spirit, is divine. And you're to name that son a specific name. And his name shall be called Jesus because he will save his people from their sins. Now, if you're taking notes today, the title of my message is Name Above All Names. Name above all names. And today I want to talk about the power that's in the name of Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. And so this morning as we're getting started, I want to talk to you for a minute about why is the significance of a name? What's in a name? Well, they say the sweetest thing anyone can ever hear is your name. Or if you're a fan of Beyonce, say my name, say my name. Okay, we see the carnal people versus the spiritual people in here. Couple laughs, couple weird looks. Okay, I'm a fan of Beyonce. But the sweetest thing anyone can ever hear is their name. Names are significant. Names are important. We realize even baby names, 
people are so stressed out in the modern day about baby names. And it's funny to me because nowadays baby names aren't like they used to be. Baby names used to be named the way they were in Bible times. Like it was based off a meaning. Like I'm going to name this child a specific thing because the meaning behind that name is what I want that child to be. Right? That's like what it used to be in the Bible times or even like a hundred years ago. Now we're going for the most creative. We're going for the most odd, different, made up names just so your child is different from everybody else. I'm not saying that's wrong, but it's kind of a, it's a shift in kind of thinking about names. It's like, we're not going for the meaning behind the name. We're just trying to just throw out names and people are just making up words at this point on naming their baby. So we got the most creative kid name that goes to the school, but what does that name actually mean? In Bible times, in Bible days, names were very significant. Names really were everything. Because names in the Bible days and even all of ancient culture was so important because your name told not just who you were, but it prophesied about your destiny and what you would become in life. Your name was significant. Your name was important. Your name was everything. So if you didn't have a good name in that society and people knew the meaning of your name, you were going to live with that the rest of your life. But if you had a good name, then those words would follow you the rest of your life. And we see that God was very specific in telling Joseph what to name his son. God was very intentional about telling Mary and Joseph, don't just go through the baby name and book. Don't just pick out the most creative name or the most different name. Mary and Joseph, I want you to name this son a specific name because that name is going to be powerful. And that name is going to be important. And that name is going to be the name above every other name. So I'm going to have you name him a specific thing because at the name of Jesus, there is power. Come on now, somebody. And so names are significant. Oftentimes in the Bible, when God wanted to change someone's future, he changed their name because he realized there was a stigma with their old name. Sometimes there was a meaning behind their old name. So if he wanted to change their destiny in their future, he had to change their name first. People like Abram. When God met Abram, he wasn't the father of many nations. So he changed his name to Abraham which means father of many nations. So not only would Abraham say that the rest of his life, I'm a father of many nations, but he would hear other people say that to him, I'm a father of many nations. When God was dealing with Jacob, who was a liar and a cheater, he changed his name to Israel because he wanted to change his future and not be associated with the Jacob he was in the past. He wanted to call him Israel. We see even in the the New Testament, there's Peter. But before Peter was Peter, he was Simon. He was shifty, shady, mouthy, not dependable. But Jesus changed his name to Peter, which means rock, which means stability, which means foundation. And he said, and on this rock, I will build my church and the gates of hell will not prevail against it. And guess what? Peter was the one who spoke the first message on the first day of the early church. And 3,000 people got saved. So, so that shifty, shady, denying Peter 
who was Simon, God changed his name to Peter so he would become what he named him, which is a rock, which is a foundation. And Peter, as you know, if you read your Bible, became one of the greatest leaders of the early church, the Apostle Peter. We see even the Apostle Paul. His name was Saul before it was Paul. But when God wanted to change his future and his destiny, he changed his name. Because you don't want to go, him to go around the rest of his life being known as Saul. Because Saul hated the church. Saul killed Christians. Saul was against everything the church was for. So God had to change his name to change his future. And he was known as the Apostle Paul from that day on. So names are significant to God. But you know God has a name. And I want to talk to you a minute about God in the Old Testament, how he revealed himself before we talk about the New Testament. But God in the Old Testament revealed himself in many ways to his people by many different names. Now, you need to understand this when you're reading the Bible. In the Old Testament, if it seems like God is not super clear and that God's people don't fully understand, it's because they don't. Because in the Old Testament, is God's will concealed. But in the New Testament, is God's will revealed. In the Old Testament, they were, they were just barely seeing what God was doing. But they couldn't see it clearly because Jesus had not come yet. But in the New Testament, we can see God in all his fullness. And we can see God clearly now because he's in the person of Jesus Christ. But in the Old Testament, God would reveal himself in names. And once again, names are significant. God would reveal a little bit at a time about who he was. Now, God's names reveal many different things about himself. God's names reveal who he is. They describe him. They tell his people what he's like or his attributes. His names describe what he's going to do. So I'm going to read a lot of these names to you from the Old Testament of the way that God revealed himself in names. Because all these names show you who God is and what he was trying to reveal to his people. Now, when we read these names, and I, I've thought this, especially when I was younger, you read the Old Testament and you see, you see and hear these names, you're like, those are kind of weird names. But here, you got to understand when you're reading the Bible, there's a disconnect. We live in 20, almost 22 in southern Indiana and the United States of America, and we speak English. You're reading a Bible that's written thousands and thousands of years ago in an ancient time, written in ancient Hebrew. So when we hear biblical names, we're like, that's strange. But if you lived in that time and day, they're not strange. It's just like somebody being named John or Bob. So when I read these names... Don't think, well, God, why are you naming yourself all these weird things? No, it's ancient Hebrew, which our modern English minds sometimes have trouble understanding. But I'm going to read you the name in Hebrew, and then I'm going to read you what it means in English, so it'll make sense to you, okay? So these are just a few name, names, and I'm not going to read all of them to you. But these are some of the names of God in the Old Testament. One of the names used for God was El, E-L. It means to be strong, powerful, and mighty. Or there's the plural version of it, Elohim, which is the plural version of to be strong, mighty, and powerful. 
Like when we read in Genesis 1 where it says, and God created them in his image and likeness. It's the word Elohim. The God who is strong, powerful, and mighty. So here's some other names given for God. And notice all these names reveal who God is and what he does. Trust me, you go shout by the time I'm done with this. One of God's names is El Elyon, the most high God. El Roy, the God that sees, the God who's omniscient. El Shaddai, the God Almighty, God all-sufficient. El Elom, the God everlasting, the eternity of being. El Bethel, the God of the house of God. El Israel, God, the God, the Prince of God. El Oyo, the one God. El Gibar, the mighty and great God. El Elyon, God the Most High. El Sabbath, the God of hosts. Adonai, which means master. Emmanuel, which means God with us. Now, those are just a few names that God revealed himself in the Old Testament. And notice, once again, when we hear those names, our brain goes, that's a different name. But notice it's ancient Hebrew. But when I show you the English, that's what it means. Aren't those some powerful names that God reveals himself? He was telling his people, this is who I am. Now, I'm not done. Here's some more names of God. These are called the redemptive names of God in the Old Testament. Jehovah. Or Yahweh, which means the self-existent one. Jehovah Elohim, the Lord God, the Redeemer, Creator. Jehovah Sabaoth, Lord, the God of hosts, the God of angels. Jehovah Jireh, we just sang it, which means the Lord, our provider. Jehovah Rapha, the Lord that heals. Jehovah Nisi, the Lord my banner. Jehovah Kana, the Lord who is jealous. Jehovah Makedesh, the Lord who sanctifies. Jehovah Shalom, the Lord our peace. Now I need an organ, don't I, when I'm pre preaching this. Jehovah Shavath, the Lord is judge. Jehovah Seboeth, the Lord of hosts. Jehovah Elyon, the Lord most high. Jehovah Roy, the Lord is my shepherd. Jehovah Hashno, the Lord our maker. Jehovah Gibnor, the Lord is mighty. Jehovah Tiskanu, the Lord our righteousness. And Jehovah Shavath, the Lord is there and ever present. Come on now, somebody in the house of God. And all these names reveal who God is and what he wants to do for his people. But I love the New Testament and Jesus coming because he just makes it so much simpler. And there is a name that in that name is all the rest of these names. <laughs> I love what this says in this book. It says, each of all these compound redemptive names shows how God meets every need in his redemptive power. But the ultimate revelation of the redemptive names of God is found in the name, the Lord Jesus Christ. The name of Jesus is the greatest redemptive name ever revealed because it comprehends 
all of the triune names of God in redemption. It is the name in the person of Jesus that God meets every need of man in his redemptive power. It's Jesus that is the redeemer of all the Old Testament redemptive names. And all of them point and find their consummation in the name of Jesus. Help me preach when I'm preaching this morning. So God reveals himself in all these names in the Old Testament because he wants his people to know, this is who I am. This is what I'm like. This is what I want you to do. But when Jesus came, he is the fullness and the fulfillment of all the redemptive names of God in the Old Testament. All those names and attributes of God are in one person, Jesus. And in his name is all the redemptive names of God in the way that God has revealed himself in the past. So I, I love reading those names, but you don't have to read all those things for God to do all that. All you got to say is Jesus. <laughs> I'm all about simplifying things. Let's just say Jesus. It's fun to study. it. It's fun to read those names. But in Jesus is all the fullness of God bodily. Let's read in Philippians 2. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Philippians 2 and verse 5. Speaking of Jesus, it says, You must have the same attitude or mind that Christ Jesus had. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave up his divine privileges... And he took on the humble position of a slave and was born as a human being. Let's just stop right there for a second. So it's talking about Jesus, even though he was God and is God, when he came to earth, he decided to put away his divine privileges as God and become a human being. And live as a human being. Yes, still fully God, but fully a man. But when Jesus was living on this earth, he was living as a man. And he came and humbled himself to that position. Now, you think some people are humble in this life because maybe they gave up a job or, you know, they prefer somebody else in line and do this and that. Jesus' humility far exceeds any of that. Do you realize how far down that Jesus had to come for us? The God of all creation, the God living in heaven, came to his creation and came in the form of a baby. A helpless baby. How much humility is that to leave the riches and greatness of heaven and humble yourself to that position for a reason to come and save us? So he gave up his divine privileges. He took on the humble position of a slave or a servant and was born as a human being when he appeared in human form. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on a cross. Notice this. Therefore, because Jesus did that, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names that at the name of Jesus everybody say Jesus everybody say Jesus 
At the name of Jesus, every knee should bow in heaven and on earth and under the earth. And every tongue declare that Jesus is Lord to the glory of God the Father. Because Jesus did this, he humbled himself. He took on the position of a servant. And then he went on and was obedient to the death on the cross. It says that God the Father has elevated him and elevated his name above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, every knee would bow. You can either do it now or later, but you're going to do it. You can either declare Jesus as Lord now or later, but you're still going to do it. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess, both in the earth and in heaven and under the earth. Because there's so much power in that name. Do you realize that's why the name of Jesus irritates people? The name of Jesus bothers people that are not right. The name of Jesus has a reaction, whether good or bad, but people react to it. Because there's power and significance in that name. Because at the name of Jesus, the name that is above every name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. It's interesting to me, of course we live in cancel culture, that our society has no problem with other names being mentioned. Because all roads lead to God, right? We all are the same. We're all believing in the same thing, really. All religions are true. All ways are right. No one has a problem saying Buddha, Muhammad, you name it, atheist, agnostic, any other word you would try to use. But if somebody says Christ, if someone says Jesus, then they, they're not allowed to be on CNN anymore. They get kicked off the show. But you can say Buddhist, Muslim, Muhammad, whatever you want to say, and it's perfectly fine. Why? Because there's no power in those names. Nothing. There's no power. There's no significance because they're, they're dead and in the grave right now. But because there's power in the name of Jesus, people have a reaction to it, both good and bad. Because there's power in the name of Jesus, and Jesus is beginning the name that's above every other name. Now, now, if you're reading this verse, the verse said, and that name of Jesus holds power. And let's actually bring it up here. Maybe let's start with um, verse 6. Let's start here. Though he was God, he did not think of equality with God as something to cling to. Instead, he gave his divine privileges and took on the, the uh, position of a slave and was born as a human being. Verse 8. I'm looking for something here. He humbled himself in obedience to God and died a criminal's death on the cross. Therefore, God elevated him to the place of highest honor and gave him the name above all other names. Now stay with me. Verse 10. That at the name of Jesus, every knee should bow. But notice what it says. In heaven and on earth and under the earth. Now what's under the earth? That, he's talking about hell. That name of Jesus is so powerful. It not only gets a reaction in this earth when it's said. I need you to act like you're Pentecostal because you are in this church. 
You think the CNN commentators are the only ones who have a problem with it. You think Hollywood's the only one who has a problem with the name of Jesus. No, when the name of Jesus is spoken, there is so much power in that name. Because it's a name above all other names. That at the name of Jesus, all earth listens, all heaven stands at attention, and all of hell trembles at the name of Jesus. He says, in heaven, in earth, and under the earth. All three of those places, listen when the name of Jesus is spoken. See, sometimes we think when we're praying and we're by ourselves that that we're the only ones who is hearing it. No, 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 no. When you say the name of Jesus, all heaven is listening. All earth is listening and all hell is trembling at the name of Jesus. Because there's power in the name of Jesus. It's a name above every other name. At the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. In heaven, in earth, and even in hell. It's powerful this morning. Come on, I need you to help me this morning. Respond a little better. There's so much power in that name, but I love it says that he is the name above Every other name. Do you realize every issue you have has a name? Every disease you have has a name. Every sickness you have has a name. Every mental disability you have has a name. Every problem we have in this earth has a name and a diagnosis and a word that goes with it. And Jesus' name is above every other name. That at the name of Jesus, that thing has to bow its knee to the name of Jesus. Depression has to bow its name to the name of Jesus. Anxiety has to bow its name to the name of Jesus. Cancer has to bow its name to the name of Jesus. All sickness and disease has to bow its name to the name of Jesus. Relationship issues have to bow their name to the name of Jesus. Anything we face in life has a name. But the good news is Jesus is the name. Above every name. Above every name. Come on, church family. You need to remind yourself of that. You got to remind yourself of that. That at the name of Jesus, because that name is above every name, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess that he is Lord. God has given him a name above every other name. Listen to this. Great names come and go, but the name of Jesus remains. The devil still hates it. The world still opposes it, but God still blesses it, and we could still claim it. Listen to this. In the name of Jesus is the key that unlocks doors of prayer and the treasury of God's grace. It's the weapon that defeats the enemy and the motivation that compels our sacrifice and service. It's the name that causes our hearts to rejoice and our lips to sing his praise. The name of Jesus. 
You still here in this Methodist Pentecostal Church of Jesus Christ church. Just checking. The name above all other names. I want to share a few more things with you this morning before you eat your cookie. First thing I want to talk about is there is salvation in his name alone. There is salvation in his name alone. Let's turn to Matthew chapter 1, verse 21. And she shall bring forth a son, and you shall call his name Jesus. Everybody say Jesus. Jesus. For he will save his people from their sins. Remember, we talked about the significance of names. The name Jesus literally means, in the Hebrew language, God saves or God is salvation. So God was very specific when he gave Jesus the name Jesus because it means what he was about to do. God saves and God is salvation. That's why it says you will name him Jesus and he will save his people from their sins because Jesus means God saves and God is salvation. There is salvation in Jesus' name alone. This word salvation means many different things, but if you read in commentaries or different study books, this word salvation can mean deliverance, safety, preservation, healing, soundness. There is salvation in his name alone. Let's read in Acts 2 and verse 21. But everyone who calls on the name of the Lord will be saved. What's the Lord's name? What's the Lord's name? So when you call on the name of the Lord, it says you shall be saved. Here's another verse, Acts 4 and verse 12 in the Passion. There is no one else who has the power to save us, for there is only one name to whom God has given authority by which we must experience salvation, the name of Jesus. Notice there's only one name that has the power to save. It's the name of Jesus. So this morning, there is salvation in one name alone. One name alone. Not Muhammad, not Buddha, not education, not Biden or Trump. I'm going to keep doing that every week till the next election. There's no salvation in your 401k, in your family line, in your new car, in your new house. There's no salvation in any other name. There's no way you can save yourself. There's no way you can pull yourself up by your bootstraps. There's no way that salvation comes other than the name of Jesus. And the promise is all who call on the name of the Lord. Now, who is the Lord? Jesus shall be saved. So this morning, there is salvation in one name alone, and that's the name of Jesus. Jesus is God saving us. God is salvation. The next thing I want to share is this. Jesus gave us authority to use his name. 
Jesus gave us the church. If you're born again today, you're a part of his church. Jesus gave us authority to use in his name. Now, we see that Jesus' life and his death and his resurrection, that everyone listened to the name of Jesus. When Jesus would pray for people, they would get healed instantly and they would get delivered and demons would come out and people would be raised from the dead and everything was listening to the name of Jesus but at the end of Jesus life before he was going to go to heaven he gave his church authority he gave his church his delegated authority and what he said at the end of his life before he ascended to heaven is I'm going to give you authority and you're going to do the same things I've done. That's what it says in the Gospels. The, the same works I did, you will do also and greater things. But how are you going to do those? In the name of Jesus. And I'm, I'm going to have you and you're going to fulfill the mission of God. Because Jesus started the mission and the church is going to complete the mission by the power of the Holy Spirit. And you're going to be my hands and feet on the earth. And you're going to be the body of Christ. And I'm going to give you my authority. But that authority is exercised in my name. Are you still here? i got to teach you for a second. But we could say it like this. Jesus gave us power of eternity. Power of attorney. Power of attorney means this. It's a legal document that allows you to make decisions and act on the behalf of another. It also means the power of attorney, the legal right to use the name of the person who gave you the power. Come on, I need your help this morning. Jesus gave us authority as his church to use his name in the earth to do the same things he did and fulfill the mission of God. But the legal term of that is power of attorney. To act on the behalf of another and the legal right to use their name of the person you have who gave you that power. Now, now hear me for a second here. So let's just take Brother Les. So Brother Les gave me power of attorney over his life and his stuff. If I went into a courtroom, I'm not there as Jordan Jacobs. I'm there as Les Flock. So that means Brother Les's house, his car, his bank accounts, his retirement, everything that belongs to Brother Les in that moment, if he gave me power of attorney, belongs to me. So I'm in there, in that courtroom, legally, not as Jordan Jacobs, but as Les Flock. So whatever I say goes for Les Flock, goes for Les Flock. Because I have legal right to use his name as if I am Les Flock. When Jesus told his disciples, I'm leaving, he gave his church legal right to act as him on the earth. And he said, the way you exercise it is you do it in my name. So you're not just walking around as Amzie Bach. You're walking around as Jesus. 
And you're not just walking around as Jessica Boger. You're walking around as Jesus. You're not just walking around as Liz Ruder. You're walking around as Jesus. Because you got power of eternity to act on his behalf on the earth using his name. As if Jesus was here in the flesh. Because he is here, but not in the flesh. He's here through his church. It's like, what's Jesus doing now nowadays? Well, he's doing what he's doing through the church. Because we're the body and he's the head. And he's given us power of eternity to act on his behalf and use his name. And what's the good news? At his name, every knee will bow. Every tongue will confess that he is Lord. Oh, you think I'm done. I'm not. Jesus gave us his power of attorney to use his name to act on his behalf. And we are walking around. And that's why Jesus would say things like this. Are you ready for this? This is just a couple scriptures in the gospel. When you ask anything in my name. (laughs) Because that's where the power is. I will do it for you and it will be done. Jesus said, where two or more are gathered in my name, I'm in the middle of them. If you don't start responding, I'm going to start running around this building. Okay? Because I'm preaching 250 times better than you're looking at me right now. Jesus at the Great Commission sent his disciples out and said, in my name, you will cast out demons. In my name. You will lay hands on the sick and they will recover. In my name, you will be protected. In my name, you will do what I've called you to do. But in my name, not in your name, in my name. Prayers are answered, not in your name, in his name. Jesus is here with us, not because of our name, but his name. Demons come out of people, not in our name, but in his name. People are healed, not in our name, but in his name. The name of Jesus. But Jesus has legally, legally given all of us in here the power of attorney to act on his behalf and use his name to do kingdom business on the earth. Now, here's the problem. Most Christians are waiting for Jesus to do something about their life. (laughs) Jesus, do something. He said, you do something. I've given you my name. Jesus, let's see this region changed. Okay, you change it in my name. I I need answers in prayer. Okay, pray in my name. In my name. Jesus gave the church authority to use his name. Are you getting this this morning? And isn't that encouraging this morning for everyone in here? That should be empowering for you today. Knowing that Jesus gave you power of eternity to use his name. When, When we pray for people, for either deliverance or for healing. 
We don't say in the name of church on the rock. There ain't no power in church on the rock. We don't say in the name of Jordan Jacobs. Nothing's moving. Nothing's budging off that. But there's power in the name of Jesus. And when we say, be healed in the name of Jesus. That's where the power is. Be set free in the name of Jesus. And, and we've seen people delivered from demon power. And be delivered just like it says in the Gospels. Just like in the book of Acts. People got delivered from demon oppression. And they said in the name of Jesus come out. Not just come out in the name of Jesus. Because that's where the power is. It's interesting to know, you know, dad's told this story before, but he's been in all sorts of countries, countries that spoke Spanish and German and Russian all over the world, and he speaks English. But when he prayed deliverance over people in all those countries, he said in the name of Jesus, guess what the demons still understood what that meant? And they still came out, and people still got healed. Because at the name of Jesus, every knee will bow and every tongue will confess that he is Lord. He's the name above every other name. There's power in his name. I think I preached myself happy. This is the real Christmas message. You know? You know, I'm okay with some of the traditional cheesy stuff, but this is the real Christmas message. Christians would start doing what they're called to do if more pastors preach this and not some baby Jesus in a manger. He did that to get us here. <laughs> not to preach, you, preach about him in a manger, to preach about why he came to the manger. There's no power in just preaching that baby Jesus in the manger, all that sweet, that's precious, oh my gosh. But what is it doing for your life? <laughs> he came to live and to die and to give you authority. That's why that baby Jesus came in the manger. So his church would stop living like they don't have authority. But he's given us power of eternity to do God's will on the earth. Say, well, God's will is not being done. It's only not being done when the church is not doing it. But we have authority. The last thing I want to share with you before we eat our cookies I gave you a spiritual filet mignon this morning, not just a cookie. But you'll get your sugar high on the way out. Actually, Brother Daryl, could you come play for me for a second? There's this story in Acts 3 about Peter and John. And I want to do a quick recap of it and close today. We're still talking about Jesus, the name above every other name. But this story about Peter and John in Acts 3 at the beginning, many of you know this story. 
But it was right after the early church. And these early disciples remember Jesus saying, the same works I do, you can do also. <laughs> and they're like, okay, well, let's try this out. <laughs> and Peter and John, it says, they went by the temple and there was a lame man at the temple. And this layman said he was begging for money. And Peter and John said, silver and gold have I none. I feel like I'm back in kids' church again. But such as I have, give I you. In the name. <laughs> no, that's what he said. Not, not in the name of Peter and John, not in the name of the church of Jesus Christ. In the name of Jesus, rise up and walk. And it says that lame man by the gate got strength in his legs again because of the name of Jesus. And he started walking and leaping and praising God. Something that wouldn't hurt you guys to do every once in a while. Maybe you forgot the significance of the name of Jesus. Because this man experienced the, the power of the name of Jesus. And he was walking and leaping and praising God. And the whole town came out to see him. Because they knew this man was crippled. And there's this story and it picks up here and we're going to read it in Acts 4. But the leaders of that community didn't like it because they were losing control. They were losing power over that community. And they arrested Peter and John and they put him into prison because they got this man healed. But listen to what it says because hopefully this will encourage you today because Peter and John are no different than you. No different. They're just disciples of Jesus. Doing what Jesus told them they could do with his authority. It's a longer passage, but let me read it. Acts 4, in verse 5. The next day, the council of all the rulers and teachers of religious law met in Jerusalem. Ananias, the high priest, was there along with Caiaphas and John, Alexander, and the other relatives of the high priest. They brought in the two, as Peter and John, and demanded, by what power or in whose name have you done this? Then Peter, filled with the Holy Spirit, said to them, rulers and elders of our people, are we being questioned today because we've done a good deed for a crippled man? Do you want to know how he was healed? Let me clearly... Come on, don't mess with Peter and John right now. Let me clearly state to all of you, to all the people of Israel, that he was healed by the powerful name of Jesus Christ, the Nazarene, the man you crucified, but whom God raised from the dead. For Jesus is the one referred to in the scripture that says, the stone that you builders rejected now has become the cornerstone. There is salvation in no one else. And God has given no other name 
under heaven by which we must be saved. The members of the council were amazed when they saw the boldness of Peter and John, for they could see that they were ordinary men with no special training in Scripture. They also recognized these men as they had been with Jesus. But notice what happens. But since they could see this man had been healed, I mean, what are they going to do about it? Standing right there, there was nothing the council could say. And they ordered Peter and John out of the council chambers and conferred among themselves. What should we do with these men? They asked each other. We cannot deny that they have performed a miraculous sign. And everyone in Jerusalem knows about it. But to keep them from spreading their propaganda any further, we must warn them not to speak to anyone in the Jesus name again. <laughs> so they called the apostles back and commanded them never again to speak or teach in the name of Jesus. But Peter and John replied, do you think God wants us to obey you rather than him? We cannot stop telling about everything we have seen and what we have heard. Come on now, somebody. <laughs> we cannot stop telling about what we have seen and what we have heard. I love this story. But notice the world recognized the power of the name of Jesus. He said, by what power? In what name did this man get healed? Peter and John said, it's in the name of Jesus. And since they couldn't deny the miracle happened, because the man was walking around, they said, okay, well, our next best option is this. You don't ever need to talk about that name again. Don't teach about that name. Don't pray for people in that name. Don't do anything about that name. Hear me, church family. Our world and our culture is trying to do that to the church like never before. Shut up. Stop talking about him. Stop teaching about him. Stop praying about him. We don't want to hear it at your work. We don't want to hear it at your school. We don't want to hear it on the news. Why? Because there's power in that name. And they don't want to lose control. But let's do exactly what Peter and John said. Should I obey you or God? I can't help but tell everybody about him. I will not keep my mouth shut about what I have seen and heard. I will not stop talking about Jesus being a healer. I will not stop talking about Jesus being a deliverer. I will not stop talking about marriages I've seen saved and addicts I've seen free and people I've seen delivered in the name of Jesus. You won't shut me up. It's too late. I can't help but tell you what I've seen and heard and experienced. But notice they didn't say you couldn't keep doing church. They didn't say you couldn't keep doing whatever you're doing as a church. They said, just don't talk about the name. 
Don't preach about the name. Don't pray for people in the name because there's power in the name of Jesus. There's so much power in the name of Jesus. You guys could be seated for a second. I'm about to close. There's power in the name of Jesus. I cannot stop telling what I've seen and heard and experienced. What have you seen? What have you heard? What has God done in your life? Has he done something? Has he done something? The world wants you to be quiet like never before. The name of Jesus is what they're scared of. There's power in the name. We're not going to read it, but at the very end, actually, I am going to read it. At the very end of this chapter, where they told him, don't talk about the name of Jesus. These early disciples went to a prayer meeting. And you know what they said? They didn't say, God, we pray that we won't get caught next time. God, we pray that we would avoid trouble. This is what they prayed. After they just got arrested, after they just got thrown in prison, after these people in authority told them, don't you ever say that name again. Don't you ever pray for people because there's power in that name. In Acts 4, in verse 29, these disciples said, Oh, Lord, Hear their threats and give us, your servants, great boldness in preaching your word. Listen to verse 30. Stretch out your hand with healing power. May miraculous signs and wonders be done through the name of your holy servant, Jesus. In verse 31, and after this prayer, the meeting place shook. And they were all filled with the Holy Spirit. Then they preached the word of God with boldness. Let us be that type of people. When you get in trouble for being bold about Jesus, pray, God, I pray you give me more boldness. Give me more boldness to pray for people in the name of Jesus. Give me more boldness to share my faith. Give me more boldness to share about Jesus. There's power in the name of Jesus. I want you to know this morning, there's been a name given that's above every other name. And you have access to it. And at that name of Jesus, every knee will bow, every tongue will confess to the glory of God the Father. Did you guys get anything today? Thank you so much for listening today. For more information about what's happening at Church on the Rock, visit cotrin.org.